This call is being hey, recorded. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I didn't know if the report, like the this call is being recorded, would be a little bit longer. But um, cool. We're all good. How are you guys? Good. Good. You're up in Nantucket. Yeah, we're up here for the week, which is really nice. We got here yesterday, which I'm very happy to have a break at the end of the summer. And I saw on Instagram that Lindsay was playing in a New Jersey JCT or no New Jersey Gold. Yeah, yeah, she played. She played pretty nice. well. That's awesome. Yeah. That's nice yeah. that things are getting back to normal more with squash and stuff like that. Yeah, she's gonna go to Middlebury. I don't know. <gasps> I don't know if I told your parents. No, I didn't. We I'm, didn't know that. That's amazing. Yeah, she she decided to go to go to Middlebury. Um, when did she get that, the email from? Did they did they do an email with her or a call to say like we will support your application? They did. You know, they were. She was talking to what's his name, Mark. Yeah. Um, Lewis. Um, Mark Lewis. Yeah. Basically, talking to him, I would say like every two to four weeks for months. Yep. Mm-hmm. And um, and basically, um, um, you know, he told her it was up to her to decide, and and yeah, um, and uh, so yeah. Um, and she That's amazing. Decided. Yeah, and um, it was really cool. I don't know. Do you know? Did, did you ever come across Izzy Ronda, Isabel Ronda? Um, she was a girl. Is she, what year is she? She's Lindsay's year. Um, okay. She was like, you know, like very, very good. You know, strong player. Yeah. Uh, really sweet kid from Brooklyn. Yeah was one of the kids that Lindsay always like gravitated towards really like nice, nice right. girl. Yeah. Um, and um, the week before Lindsay sort of had like a deadline where she had to decide and I guess it was yep. in July. Um, and Izzy called Lindsay and said that she was going to Middlebury. Um, oh, so she so like let was... Lindsay know before Lindsay had made her decision. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so knowing that, that she was going to have a friend, like a really good yeah. friend there. There was the a person that she knew that, that she was really close with. Yeah. Yeah. And oh then, my gosh. That's amazing. And there's another girl who we don't know who um, was at the JCT in Philly a few weeks ago, yep. who was also recruited there, who uh-huh. um, seemed great. Yeah. Uh, and really liked her too so she's she's really happy yeah um that's so exciting and, oh my uh, gosh after the call i should i should met, reach out to her that's amazing so I, i'll see her not this coming year but the year after when we play middlebury yeah yeah no it'll be it'll be great um do you know who who amherst recruited uh for two years below i believe it is it's morgan chadbury and i'm not sure i think Right now, I think it's only two because only two seniors are graduating this coming year. So it's uh, Morgan Chadbury and I believe a Canadian girl. I think it's Lily Soroko mentioned that. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, I don't know Morgan that well, and I I don't know the Canadian girl at all. There, there was a Canadian girl who. McGillicuddy? Oh yeah, I, that name sounds familiar. Is she? Is she Lindsay's year? I think so. I think maybe it's her. If it's her, there was another Canadian girl who wasn't as strong. Yeah. Um, who Lindsay played? Actually, like might have been at, at your club. Um, your parents might have been there. Lindsay said Morgan's very nice. Morgan's nice? Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah, I've heard the Glalios have mentioned her before, and they said that she's very nice. Yeah. She had a, we used to, she had a little bit of a temper when she was younger. And yeah. So we, her nickname for her was Conduct Warning. She was like, <laughs> Gotcha. She had a Conduct Warning, which was like U11. Right. <laughs> 
Hopefully, but, okay, but, hopefully. But, but Lindsay said she's very nice now. Okay, that's good. Is Lindsay so. with you guys right now? Please tell her congratulations. No, no, she's, um. Yes, yeah, she she went over to some friend's house and apparently oh. uh, the refrigerator is lighter on the white cloth gotcha. um, than it was earlier in the day. Interesting. So Lindsay, Lindsay's uh, spreading her wings. There you go. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how are you awesome. doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm heading back to school the 28th, and they just sent out more information about COVID and regulations. So we'll be allowed to – it's masks indoors, but you don't have to wear them in your own room and is your, in your residence hall, which is great because actually a lot of my friends are in my residence hall. So when I go visit them or when we're walking around our dorm – we won't have to wear masks, which will be nice. And we're allowed to go off campus into Hampshire County, which is like Northampton. Um, I, there are a few different small little towns that we have access to, which is nice, which okay. is definitely more than we had access to last year. Yeah. What are you going to take? I'm taking biology, developmental psychology, uh, legal theory, and Islamic art and architecture. I was trying to get a little piece of a lot of different things for my fall semester. That's a classic. Yeah, it definitely is. But I'm excited because <laughs> I feel like it'll be each class and the work for each class will be pretty unique. So I won't kind of feel yeah. like I'm, you know, writing the same things for the same class in just that are just slightly different. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I'm really excited. And thank you again for agreeing to be interviewed for this little podcasting we're doing. This is great. Elisa and I are lamenting that we're like so uninteresting. Like I can't imagine anything more no. boring. Than, no, than, than not at all. Talking to us. <laughs> no. I I I've I found one of the people that I've talked to, it's it's so it's so interesting for me just to hear how many different experiences there were and how many different because it's no no two people have experienced the same like have had the exact same path into medicine and kind of what things have gotten them into medicine and what things they've you know struggled with is super interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. Who have you spoken to? Uh, I've spoken to Dr. Uh, Laura Gowan, who I believe is a plastic surgeon. Mm-hmm. Um, I've reached out to. Um, a anesthesiologist that my dad works with, and I've also spoken to a urologist that my dad also works with. Who they've and the Lord Dr. Gowan has been was great, and I'm blanking on the urologist's name right now, but he was also wonderful. And I also talked to my dad. Uh-huh. Well, he had an interesting path. Definitely, that was he was the first person that I talked with, and that was a good one for me to kind because of, we have, it was so, you know, I tried to be professional, but also it was my dad at the same time. So it was nice to kind of see him kind of talk in a different way and have us have that type of conversation, which is really nice. Yeah. Yeah. He's a but good yeah, guy. I guess, yeah. He's awesome. I guess my first question for the both of you would be, I guess in before you guys went to undergrad did you guys have any idea of like wanting to be in medicine and if so kind of where that started for you guys you want to go first you want me to go first you go first so um my dad was a doctor mm-hmm. my dad was an endocrinologist he's an endocrinologist at Penn and he um always talked about medicine with us he um, he would take me in, like, on when he was working on weekends, he would take me into rounds. Yep. Um, he, for a while, um, when he first started his um, career after fellowship, he had a lab. And, like, I would go to the lab with him, and he was always, like, talking about his experiments. So, like, he was just, like, you know, kept me really um, involved. 
and like would give me papers to read and right. um, was like very interested in my science classes and talking with me about it and helping me. Um, and um, so I think, you know, you know, that I think he clearly wanted me to be a doctor. Yeah. Um, his passion but, um, for medicine and exactly. all that was pretty evident in your childhood and yeah. throughout your young adult life. Gotcha. Okay. He he loved his job, um, mm-hmm. and he loved he loved his patients. He loved um, like the art of medicine, and um, he loved teaching. He would have yep. um, they would do like a month of attending time at a time, and at the end of the month, he would always have his group of um, residents over, mm-hmm. and um, and he always made sure I was around. <laughs> He was very influential. Yeah. Um, and and like when I was in college, I once like came home and he he taught at the medical school and I came home and like one day I went to one of his classes. So, um, you know, like I pretty early on like you know decided I wanted to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, and like he like helped me get some jobs and some labs and stuff like that. And um, so, um, he he actually died when I was in college. Mm-hmm. Um, this is my junior year, so he, I hadn't, I had actually it was the day after I took the MCAT, and um, so like he knew I was, like that that was my path. Yeah. Um, and so that you know after that it wasn't like there was no question that I was just gonna go to medical school. Yeah. Um. So. So it was a pretty straight route for me. <laughs> yeah. That's my story. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yep. I was just going to say that, that unlike Elisa, I didn't really have a role model in my family that was in medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad and grandfather were both um, business people. Um, my, my great grandfather was, was a surgeon um, back in like the earlier part of the 20th century, um, but um, but I didn't have that that real connection necessarily to medicine. Um, yeah. But you know when when you know there were there were folks in my family who got sick from time to time, and um, my parents had this, and my, and my grandfather had this great doctor. Um, who was really like revered in the family, and mm-hmm. I was always a bit intrigued by um, sort of his influence on mm-hmm. um, our family and our family's health and, and well-being. Um, so that was that. I would say that was a big part. And then I had a I had a cousin um, who then went into medicine about four or five years before I did. Uh, I was a cousin that I was very, very close with. Um, and so um, I was always um, eager to talk to him about um, his experiences in medical school, and um, and he loved it as well. Um, I have to say, though, that when I got to medical school, got to college and started pre-med classes, um, mm-hmm. I didn't. I, I got a, a little intimidated, I have to say. Yeah. Um, and I didn't, as I started to question whether it was the right path for me. There was so much else uh, in a liberal arts education that was interesting to me um, and yeah. really still is interesting, interesting to me. And I sort of dabbled with a couple jobs at like a law firm, thinking about whether I wanted to maybe be a lawyer. Um mm-hmm. Um, and I really, I actually majored in government political science in college. Um, but it was, it, it took me a while to figure out exactly why I wanted to become a doctor and, and why I was um, eager to sacrifice so much time and energy on the path. Yeah. And um, um, to, during college, I had some kind of seminal experiences with 
illnesses of friends mm-hmm. um, that really influenced me and I would say um, ha- had a big impact on my decision to go back to pre-med. I went back to pre-med um, essentially in my junior year of college and, and finished up pre-med um, over the next couple of years and then took a year off between college and medical school and then went to medical school after that. Um, but it was really, I would say, those those um, experiences um, with my peers and, and seeing um, how important health was. Yeah. Um, I had, I had a, um, my best friend in college, his roommate, uh, became very ill with ulcerative colitis. Um, um, he had had it going into um, college, but then became very, very ill with it, essentially the spring and summer of first year and, pa- and passed away. Um, oh, wow. And um, like an incredible loss, like just an yeah. incredible person. Um, and just having that experience, and it was, um, I remember going to his funeral um, and his father had passed away from, from coronary artery disease. And oh, wow. um, his brother um, was a little bit older, mm-hmm. um, but was himself um, struggling with leukemia at the time um, and had been critically ill shortly before his, his brother passed. Um, yeah. And just like one of the smartest, most thoughtful person you can possibly imagine. Um, and, and then his brother passed like a few months after that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just realizing how fundamental health is um, and how making an, I really felt like I could make an impact. Um, yeah. in that area. Um, and, and I decided that that was, that was where I wanted to invest my time and, and, and my career. And, and I sort of never looked back after that. Yeah. I mean, that, that must've been really powerful to see someone your age, someone that you were close to, you had a connection with. I feel like it's, it, you, to a certain extent, you can kind of connect with what you see in the news of people suffering, but having someone that's close to you going through health issues and eventually passing away must have been really, you know, very direct and very personal. Yeah, no, it, it, it had a major, major impact on my on my decision. Um, yeah. And, um, yeah, I think I think it was just for a lot of people – um, you know, if you don't have a strong, like, reason um, yeah. that you're going to go into medicine, um, it can be hard to um, sustain the setbacks that are right. in, invariably going to happen. Um, right. And so I always, I, I always felt like I had a pretty clear reason um, and um, it only got reinforced over time. Um, in in a positive way, um, right? And I would say so a lot of the most gratifying parts of a career in medicine are just the relationships that you have with with people um, that where you feel like you've really had a positive impact. Yeah, I know my dad has talked a lot. I think he he mentioned we were out to dinner one time, and he remembers kind of the pivotal moment when he was down in Virginia talking to his ex-wife about kind of the three fundamental reasons why he wanted to go into medicine. And one of them was knowing that you are always going to be doing something that is morally right. You are always going to be helping people and helping them with their issues. And I think the second major one was that the patient connection and having these people connect with you and being able to help them. And the third one was that, you are perpetually going to be learning. Like medicine is always changing. You're never going to have that moment where you're like, okay, this is enough. You know, I've learned everything I could possibly need. There's always new methods coming out, new research, new things that you kind of have to keep up on. So you're never going to be at a point where you're kind of 
at a lull, if that makes sense. I like that a lot. I wish I had come up with those three reasons. <laughs> yeah. He said that to me, and I was like, oh, my goodness, this is amazing. Yeah. No, I think that's that's 100% right. Yeah, and one of the other things you said. No, sorry, go ahead. One of the, gosh, I forget where this saying came from. Um, I wish I could remember, Maggie. Um, but but there's a, a saying that medicine is like having a front row seat in the theater of life. Um, and I would add that as a, I, I would I would add that as as um, a real reason to go into medicine. Yeah. You can you're you always like have some connection to what's happening in community and in the world um, never more than over the past year and a half Um, and um, you know you just see people um, you see them at their incredible best and you see them at their absolute worst um, in in crisis Um, and it, it it the human drama is so profound, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and having been part of, um, you know, had a career in medicine, I guess, like, oh, my gosh, what? Like, if you started medical school back in 1993, um, almost 30 years, you know, there are just so many um, incredible experiences with people. Yeah. Absolutely. And one thing I just, I'm curious about going back to is you mentioned kind of at the beginning of your college career, the pre-med classes and feeling intimidated. And I was wondering if both of you could kind of talk about what your experience was with pre-med classes, whether they were challenging, you know, did you struggle with any of them? Were the others kind of just reinforcing your like, this is amazing. I know this is what I want to do with my life. Well, so, Maggie, Elise, and I are kind of cracking up right now because I think she knows. Oh, gosh. She knows what I'm going to say. <laughs> um, and, and, and Maggie, and you know Elisa well. I'll let, I'll let her talk. But um, Elisa is, like, a pretty unbelievable person. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and... Um, uh, Elisa was an orgo um, teacher's assistant to give you oh an idea gosh. of how like wow. crazy smart Elisa is. But I'll let her that talk is about her, her pre-med. <laughs> yeah, so this is what I, I would say. Is, um, you know, like they're intimidating in that um, you know, I think a, a people who are pretty much, like, you feel pressure to, to do well. Yeah. Um, you know, because, um, unfortunately, like, your grades matter for medical school. But I think that one of the things that I didn't, and I worked I worked really hard, like, you know, like everybody does. You know, like, you work, you work yeah. your ass off. <laughs> I think yeah. that looking back, like, when I got to medical school, like, knowing all of those um equations and like chemical bonds and all that stuff that's not like what makes a good doctor right and you know so like i mean yeah it's you know like it's important to learn the fundamentals and um you know you do you do want to do well because you know you you want to get into school but but that's that's not what you most of us use in our everyday right. practice right patients um, aren't going to be swept off their feet by you telling them like the chemical bonds of what's happening and all that different stuff. They want to hear what's really going on with them. Right. And so I think that it's kind of like, and it's, and it's hard when you're in the thick of it to, to really know like, what is it that's important to, to, to get out of this? Um, just to, to remember that like, that's not like the people who get all A's in like, the TA in organic chemistry is not necessarily the best doctor. 
um, you know, it's really like, you know, the person who's, who's inquisitive and has a good bedside manner and, you know, like, like there's so much more to, to being a good doctor than, than all of that. Um, yeah. And so I just think it's important to keep that perspective and just, you know, to not beat yourself up. if like, you know, you didn't get a, an A on your orgo test or, you right. know. Right. Um, and like for me, and, and I actually, like I struggled with physics a lot in college. Just, it just never clicked with me. And honestly, for, for medical, when we were in residency even, like understanding physics, I felt like would have gone a lot farther. For me. Yeah. But now at least it deals with kids with congenital heart disease. Right. And so like knowing physics would actually be really helpful. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't know that back then. That, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, this is so stupid, you know. <laughs> I need to get through it. Yeah. So I'll let Sandy talk about his experience. Yeah, you know, I just, I, I think that um, I got to college and my study ha- habits weren't, let's say, as well developed as some others <laughs> at the time. Uh, maybe a TA, I, I was, who was a TA in organic chemistry, maybe a little different. Yeah, and so I would say my I sort of coasted in high school a little bit, got to college, had so much fun. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Didn't have the greatest study habits. Um, right. And, you know, like struggled a little bit in, in chemistry my first year. Yeah. Um, and I was like, what the heck am I doing? Why, you know, there's so much more fun stuff that I can be doing. Um, right. And so so that that's when I took that, like, little break from pre-med and said, let me just step back and, and um, um, you know, figure out why. And then – the the motivation was there after that point to really work yeah. harder and right. and develop. I needed to develop the the study habits um, in order to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was really kind of to me an inflection point was, um, you know, when I when I decided to definitely do pre med, I knew that I needed to step things up a little bit and get more serious. Right. Studies. Mm-hmm. So there was a moment where you were like, okay, this is, I know this is how it's going to work, and this is what I need to do to change to get there, to achieve this goal. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Gotcha. And it was, I mean, I was I was lucky. I was able to kind of flip a switch and, and you know, do much better and, and felt a lot. But I felt better about putting in the time. Yeah. Because you so. you had figured out why you want to go into medicine. And so the long hours probably studying in the library and taking exams and taking those requirements, you had that motivation in the back of your mind to keep you going. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, gotcha. And, and, you know, and, and I thought I was working hard at the time on my pre-med classes. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know about Elisa, but I had not a clue about what would actually be required in in medical school or beyond. Um, Right. But I guess it's probably a good thing. Mm -hmm. And you said you took a year off in between college and medical school, right? Yeah, and I worked in a a lab, um, Mm -hmm. and it was good to, you know, develop those skills and and have a job. Um, Right you know, and, and um, see how science was done. Um, and and I really have, enjoyed where I worked. Yeah. So you, did you, did you know you wanted to be in medicine? Did you know you wanted to be a doctor? Because I know that there, I've talked to some people that kind of went into a lab over a summer, over a year, just to see, like, maybe is this what I would want to pursue and kind of came out of it saying, okay, I, I know this is not for me. I really want to be a doctor and I will, I want to be in this other path. So, um, you know, and, and working in the lab, I, I sort of knew that it was only going to be for a year and that I'd learn some science and then go to medical school. Um, and, and I feel like now the mentoring is a lot better and there are a lot of other opportunities, um, for people um, pursue, you know, who want to take some time off in between yeah. 
policy in medical school. It's much more accepted mm-hmm. now. Absolutely. I feel like back when we were there, it was maybe, I'd say like maybe a little less than half of people took some time off. But now I feel like it's most people, people it, yeah. Um, yeah. take time off. We'll do something in medicine or not in medicine. Yeah. yeah. Like I think I did, and I didn't take any time off. And I only regret it in that if I if I had taken time off, I doubt I would have met Sandy. Because yeah. <laughs> we were in the same class in medical school. But um, otherwise, I think I, I wish I had because I was a little bit burnt out when I got to medical school. Um, right. And I think it would have been good. And, you know, it's like your last chance to do – either do something different or do something medicine related without the pressure of being in medical school because, you know, you could, you can take some extra time in medical school. I think it's a little bit harder to do that. And then once you start residency, you're really kind of on a, a path forward. That's hard to, yeah. Hard to, sorry. No, that's, no, all good. That's yeah, good I think our, our, okay, that's our dog, dog disagreed with Elisa. Yeah. Um, uh, but, yeah, is, is that something that you've ever thought about, Maggie? Yeah, taking time off. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, I know a lot of times people that I've talked to now who are going into medical school, it is definitely way more common. I think it's also, I think it's it's similar in a way to kind of the summer programs that a lot of people end up taking, which is trying just to get more experience with medicine any way you can find it and I think you know taking some time off really allows you to make sure before I make this pretty big commitment for most of the rest of my life let me really make sure and check on this before I jump in head first one of the things that I didn't realize um was and and I get this question a lot from from people thinking about going into medicine is that when it's all in front of you you know someone like in your position correct me if I'm wrong uh, mm-hmm. but you're thinking you know I've got four years of college four years of medical school you know three to five years of residency maybe a fellowship after that yeah you know it's going to be like more than a decade. Yep. until I actually have a job and it's this incredible delay of gratification. Right. Um, you feel like it's so far off that it's hard to even envision. And so you want to yeah. move, move things along as fast as you possibly can. That was my um, And, and um, move things as fast along so that you get to that end, you know, however many 12 years later. Yeah. Where Absolutely. that's really not how how it how it felt at the time, right? And yeah, like like when you get to medical school, sure, you're always looking forward to the next step and wondering what you get to medical school, and then you wonder what it's going to be like going into the clinics. Um, then you wonder what it's going to be like going into residency and what you're going to do and where you're going to match, and then wondering what yeah. you're going to end up doing for your career. And it's you're oh you're always thinking about that next step, but at the same time, when I started off in medical school, I felt like I was starting my career. Yeah. So it really... It wasn't... It wasn't right, a decade off. It, it was like just when you started medical school mm-hmm. is when you started becoming a doctor. Right. It wasn't like you get there and you still... Have, it's so far to go. It's like you get there and no, you're, you're gaining ground in this journey yeah at least is that how you felt as well yeah I mean I you know definitely went you know when I was thinking about you know I'm going to go straight to medical school I was like why should I wait I know what I want to do and yeah like Sandy said so many years ahead but yeah I mean medical school when you first start it's kind of like an extension of college I mean you've got this yeah you know peer group and you're all taking classes together and you're all hanging out together and you know there's definitely lots of fun parts of it yep (laughs) and um you know and then it's it's just you know you're you're doing all these different things you know and then you get to go into clinics and you you know you're kind of like 
acting like a doctor in some ways, and then you get to start residency and you have a job, like you have major responsibility. So it's not like you're, you know, put putting that off in any way. You just right. haven't gotten to your ultimate career goal, but that's fine. And we're always, all of us are growing all the time and things are changing. Yeah. So, you know, that's the way life is. Definitely. And when you guys got to, when you guys got to medical school and you kind of felt like you were starting on your career, did you, did either of you kind of have any idea of what specific area you wanted to go into in medicine? Um, I know, Sandy, you're a rheumatologist and Alicia, you're a, you're in neonatal, correct? I, I do, it's more similar to like developmental piece. I, like I, I, um, take care of high-risk infants, so infants mm-hmm. who were in a neonatal unit and also infants with congenital heart disease. Gotcha. Okay. And, yeah, um, following them for the development. Um, right. And I I had no idea that I would be taking this career path when I did yeah. it. I, I, I did not know what I wanted to do at all at first. Um, and it wasn't until we started in our rotations that I started thinking I wanted to do pediatrics. But even then, um, I didn't know what areas pediatrics I wanted to go into. At first, I was thinking yeah. genetics. You know, like you, you, you know, you do a lot of different things, and you kind of see what um, you feel like fits you best. Right. Um, but yeah, it took me it took me a long time to figure it out. Actually, mm-hmm. <laughs> like maybe in the last ten years, I figured it out. <laughs> Right. Sorry, I was, that was me sneezing in the background. Sorry. No, um, no worries. Bless you. Yeah, you know, I I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. When I finished up college, though, um, I spent a lot of time. Sorry, I'm just sneezing. Oh, excuse me. Bless you. That sounds great on a podcast. <laughs> uh, I, I spent a lot of time um, in the pediatrics unit uh, at, at Dartmouth call, uh, Hospital, yep. and I really enjoyed working there. I had some really wonderful experiences. Um, I worked there, I think, once or twice a week for, for um, all of my senior year. Mm-hmm. So that, was, that, that definitely influenced me, and I was thinking about pediatrics. But, um, you know, I was, I was kind of like, I, I liked everything that I did, mainly except for surgery. I wasn't yeah. crazy about surgery. Sorry, sorry to your dad. Um, <laughs> when, I, when I did I'll my cover, surgery I'll cover rotation, his ears if he hears this part of the podcast. When I did my surgery rotation, um, I, I took it as a sign that my favorite days were when there were no cases. Yeah. Um, so I thought that that was not that did not indicate that I should be a surgeon. Yeah, um, like we're gonna we're gonna take note of this part. So um, so you know, but it's it's interesting. One, there was a day um, that I was up at my parents' house a couple of years ago, and I was just you know, like flipping through some old papers, um, and I found like a secondary application when I had gotten my um, interview at Penn, they wanted you to fill out some questions, uh, answers right. to questions. And um, I had one of, it's, it asked like why you might be interested in going to Penn. And I said that, um, that I knew that CHOP was one of the best children's hospitals. And I'm thinking about pediatrics and just thinking about what a privilege it would be to, to do some training there. Yeah. Um, uh, huh. It's interesting that, you know, Elise and I have ended up working there for like yeah. almost a quarter century now. Um, so um, I think, you know, looking back, it was probably pretty clear that I would do pediatrics. I, I um, almost, I dabbled with internal medicine, which is really quite similar um, in that, you know, similar set of issues, you know, you have like general practice, you have cardiology, you have gastroenterology, you have all similar specialties, just different population and, and, um, 
and I just enjoyed working with with kids and dealing with the the beginning of life um, yeah. and all that that entails. Um, so uh, that's how I ended up in pediatrics. I when I um, in your in your in the latter part of your medical school training when you're deciding what field you want to go into, you do some advanced um, rotations where you take on yeah. more responsibility. And I did, um, uh, it's called a sub-internship sub or a sub-I in internal medicine. I had already um, done one in pediatrics, which I really loved. And I really loved internal medicine. Um, uh, but then I went to a rotation, um, you know, sort of immediately after I finished my, my internal medicine sub-I. And I felt like the world had been lifted off my shoulders. And even though yeah. I had had a really positive experience, just the environment of pediatrics was completely different. Um, and, and just that feeling of, you know, this refreshing environment um, where you were just focused on making these kids better. Um, yeah. I thought was made my final decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, just a, a lot of really seminal experiences during those times with some incredible patients. Yeah. Okay. Um, trying to think of, oh, the one thing that I tend to ask is just what people's, what your experiences were with matching and how did that go for you? Just because, I just have my dad's story stuck in my head, which is that his he didn't end up matching with any residencies. I think his senior his senior year of medical or his final year of medical medical school, and kind of that freak out that he had between I think it was Monday when they told him that he didn't have any matches, and Tuesday was when he had to scramble to try and find any place that had an extra spot. And Wednesday when he he finally found one, but that kind of panic of oh my gosh, no one wants me, and having to kind of pick yourself back up and say okay, I still want to do this. I'm going to make this work. So how how was that for you guys? It's amazing what your dad did, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm you know I I can just imagine. Um, your dad's just like the best guy, um, and. I'm just so happy that he ended up where he ended up so that, so yeah. that we're now friends with your mom and him and, and know you guys. It's like such a privilege. But it's a, it, it, that's a really, really difficult. <laughs> Sorry, Maggie. <laughs> All good. Um, You know, for for and your dad was in a very competitive um, area to match up. Very hard to get yeah. a spot. Um, and so, in pediatrics, it's not it's not as competitive. Um, mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, the the um, we, we, I always felt really lucky to. Um, uh, be able to do rotations at CHOP, and, and there were such incredible role models. And I think the only insight that I have about that is that, you know, you sometimes hear people say that you shouldn't train, you know, at the same place you went to medical school, or if you do fellowship, you shouldn't train at the same place you went to residency. Um, you know, and the, kind of the list goes on that you kind of, you know, maybe exhausted what there is to learn at that yeah. place. You yeah, should. Like the place has a way of doing things that's not, you know, other places do things a little differently and maybe you should expose yourself to that too. Yeah. And and I thought that there's no way that I've exposed myself to all that this incredible hospital has to offer. But I didn't, I didn't yep. find that to be a comp compelling argument. Um, yeah. And for me, I actually really thought I wanted to go out west. 
um, mm-hmm. and, and spread my wings just geographically, having, yeah. having grown up, um, having grown up on the East Coast. I really like the outdoors. I thought it'd be great to be in Seattle or California or some some place like that. Um, and then it turned out, and, and I really like if you asked me, I would have said in the beginning of the process that I really envisioned myself going out there uh, out west. Um, yeah. And you know there were like lots of great training options. Um, and then. Um, my my mother got sick um, my fourth year of medical school. She's fine now, but she, she developed cancer. Um, mm-hmm. And I just thought, you know what? Probably not the time to move away. You know, just, yeah. I didn't know what was going to happen. And I sort of had to make the decision, like, in the immediate months, like, two months after she got sick. Oh wow! And so okay. I say, and you know what? Like, I've sort of made perhaps like a safer um, decision to stay in the area. And yeah. um, who, knows, who knows? I might have ended up in that place anyway. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, I'm so glad that I um, made that decision because I definitely probably wouldn't be on the phone with you right now, you know, right. sitting mm-hmm. next to Elisa because we wouldn't have ever started dating during residence. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, it, 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 you know, I, I felt like, it, you know, coming from the medical school that we went to, we sort of had, and, and going into a field that, that isn't quite as competitive, yeah. um, you, you kind of had some, some options. And, I mean, you know, we yeah. did a lot of, all of our pediatrics patients were at CHOP, so you got to know a lot of people there really well. Right. You would have more connection. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, I, and I think, I don't know if it's still this way, but people would do ovary rotations in, in places where they're interested in. You know, I think I think it helps to see what a place is like, see if you'll, if you'll feel comfortable, comfortable there, and also get to know some people who might be able to, you know, write a recommendation on your behalf um, somewhere that you might be interested in going to. Mm-hmm. But I think we were both very lucky to match at Chalk. So, um, but you know, I mean, to give you a sense, you know, like a surgery residency, like a big surgery residency, mm-hmm. may have like maybe six to ten residents at most, um, whereas a pedi- big pediatric residency was about, about fifty. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, when when we did it, it was fewer, but. But it's much much bigger now, um, right? So um, yeah, it really it really kind of depends on uh, the, the amount of stress with with the match is, I would say, um, inversely proportional to the size of the <laughs> residency that you're going to apply to. Yeah, right. So if, you, if you're going into ophthalmology or dermatology or Right. It's good to ha- it's yeah. good to have mentors or you know people that you trust and fields that you're interested in that you can go and talk to. Yeah. Um, to have resources and exactly. check in about things. Yeah. Yeah. And how were? But it's but it's a, but it's a, it is a uniquely um, interesting experience that you that you sort of um, find out where you're gonna where you're going to be yeah. and you, yeah. you don't really have yeah. a choice and, and, yeah. and you're kind of, the, you know, your future is kind of in an, in an envelope or an email or however it's. Yeah. About. And it's finding out that's like the nerves. It's like opening the envelope or opening the email, mm-hmm. whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, and how yeah. did you guys, how was your residency? Did you guys both really kind of, just this this is great, this is amazing. Just keep going, keep doing what I'm doing. It was intense. I mean it's it's intense. Um, you know, you're working really hard. Um, you know, you're taking care of these really sick kids, seeing all sorts of 
crazy stuff. Um, yeah. Working really closely with your co-residents all the time. You know, you're mm-hmm. the hour. It's a little different now, but you're you know kind of living at the hospital. Um, yeah. But it's quite it's it's quite an experience. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, you just kind of. I I always felt like I was just holding on for dear life the whole yeah. the whole. Yeah. Time. Uh, you know the the what Elisa said is totally true. So you have this like brand new big peer group. Um, yeah. That that are these great people, you know, and and you get to know them so well. Um, and you have these incredibly intense experiences that um, you know just day after day. Um, you never know what's going to happen. Um, right. I was always like, you know, exhausted. You know, just trying to figure out like when's my next day off. Right. Um, Looking ahead. You know the 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 hours are a little bit different now um, than they used to be. There, um, we used to work like, you know, thirty to. I don't think I ever did quite 36 hours, but I would say we did 34 easily, 35, uh, you know, really without resting. Um, And that wasn't a great model. Um, Yeah. And, um, but it it really made you feel like you were kind of a strong person and and you could really endure um, that, physical and, and emotional um, challenge. Yeah, um, if I can get through this, I can get but, through anything. But so you really relished that time off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but because you're working so hard, it goes by so fast. Yeah. Um, and it went by so fast. Um, and, you're, and you're constantly learning. Like, you know, you start day one just out of medical school, and then by the end of your first year, you know, you feel pretty, you can't do it all by yourself necessarily, but you feel pretty comfortable taking care of a, a sick kid, you know? Yeah. So, um, you feel like a complete idiot when, right when you start. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then you, it somehow happens that through this, this incredibly arduous process, you sort of rapidly gain competence and confidence. Um, to do some, you know, to really take care of, of critically ill patients. Uh, mm-hmm. And you know what to do. You just, like, it just becomes automatic. Yeah. Um, the next year. Yeah. <laughs> the next year crop of interns. What to do. Gotcha. And how long was the pediatric residency for you guys? Is it three years? Three, three years. five? Three years? Okay. Three years. So three years, so it was one year as the new guys and then two years as the higher-ups kind of helping out the people who were new. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, in the the second year of our residency, it was like a lot of time. You're kind of – you do help out others. But 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 for when we did it, um, it was a lot of time as like your own functioning unit as Mm -hmm. an IC. Gotcha. And that was, I would say, when Elisa and I actually became, was second year, was when we actually became much closer friends and then and then started dating because we actually took call together in the HUP NICU. No, we did that mm-hmm. in here. Well, we were in the HUP NICU as, as interns mm-hmm. together, but we actually, we had such a good time working there together that we actually requested to take call as a second year chop resident. Mm-hmm. Um, the the overnight residents in charge it was two second years. Yeah. With some possible coverage from the from the neonatal ICU mm-hmm. fellow. But they were often yeah. over at CHOP. And so Lisa and I were, you know, every fourth night would be in charge of the CHOP of the of the NICU at um, 
at, at the University of Pennsylvania Hospital, or at least we thought we were in charge. Yeah, we had a lot of people. Right. We had a lot of people above <laughs> us, but, 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 but we were, like, going to the delivery rooms and, and, and going through these stressful experiences together. And, yeah, and, and just for reference, what is the NICU just for? Um, the neonatal intensive care unit. So, like, babies okay. born early or, or babies who are sick and need extra care after they're born. And, right. and okay. um, this may not be relevant. I'll tell you this funny story. So our first year, we, we Sandy and I worked in the, um, in the NICU at, at Penn together in a, the second month of our intern year. Um, it was, so it was August of 1997. It was the month that Princess Diana died. Oh, wow. And first day there, there was a baby who was just born. Um, what was she, 27 weeks? I think she was yeah. about 27. 27 weeks. weeks. So she was born um, 13 weeks early. Yeah. And be like a pound yeah, and a half. Yeah, tiny. Oh my gosh. Um, really sick. And like, so we took care of her the whole month that we were there. And then um, eventually, when she was discharged, she went her um, for her pediatric care. She went to one of the clinics that. You know, we so as as residents, not only do you do like in hospital work, but you also get training in how to be a general pediatrician. And so we had, you know, like once a week, you would have your um, outpatient clinic. And mm -hmm. so she became this little baby became Sandy's patient. So Aww. for the next three years, he took care of her. Mm -hmm. um, and then you like you still kept in touch with like her mom would send you pictures from yeah. time to time and stuff like that. And so that and was. She did really well. Yes, yes. And so, so she was born in 1997. So. Um, That's amazing. Like six, six months ago, I was, um, getting ready to see, like, getting my clinic day ready for in the neonatal follow-up clinic. So you know, I'm like about to see a new baby who was born early. Yep. And I'm, you know, like ahead of time, I'll go through the chart just so I kind of like know their history and stuff. Um, yep. And I'm looking at this baby's chart. And for some reason, I noticed the mom's name. Like, it's not like I, like, checked the, the mom's names or anything like that, but I looked at the mom's name, and I said, oh, my gosh, that name looks really familiar. And right. I looked up I looked up her chart, and she was born in chart? August of 1997. The mom's chart, and she was born in August of 1997. Oh, and my like, gosh. There's no way. And so she comes in, and she already knew she said she already knew who I was because her mom had said to her, oh, my gosh, that's Dr. Burnham's wife. You have to say hi because, like, she yeah. remembered me um, also from that time. So, she, you know, she'd gone on to then also have a baby prematurely who's doing yeah. great. But it's just crazy that, you know, here's this little, you know, we've taken care of her second month of our intern year, and now she's a mom. Right. And her son is my patient. And, you know, that's amazing. I feel like that is such a testament to the connections that you make as a doctor, yeah. as, you know, an intern yeah. with this baby that's born prematurely. And, mm -hmm. you know, Sandy, you said that the mom would send you pictures and you guys kept in touch. Mm -hmm. And then now that connection is like gone through to when that baby has grown up and it's had a baby of her own. That's incredible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So wow. I was. I always love when I see him. And, and yeah. Yeah. So, so great. Yeah. That must so. be so special. It is. Um. I. So I don't want to keep you guys for too long, but I guess one thing I want to end on is, for both of you, if you could, kind of look, reflect back on, how you've gotten to where you are, and if there's one thing that you wish, you had known, going into, maybe just going into college, going into all of this. Kind of, what would it be? That's a tough one, Maggie. Um, I think for me, um, I wish, you know, like I, I worked really hard in college, almost like too hard in a way, and I think that I was a little burnt out, and I started medical school, and mm -hmm. it was a little hard to keep it going, right. and um, 
I think I wish that I had known, like, um, to not not take it so seriously and, you know, stress about every number and, and kind of, like, take some time and maybe enjoy it a little more so I could be a little more relaxed by the time I got to medical school. Right. <laughs> you know, um, I mean, college, like, college is important. You know, I did. I did manage. You know, I, it's not like I only did sciences, and I, I did, you know, take advantage of getting a liberal arts education. But I think I was very focused, and maybe a little bit too focused. Right. Um, and you know, it's kind of like it's okay to do other stuff and, and enjoy what you're doing, and you know, you don't always have to get straight A's all the time. You know, like, right. Try not to put so much pressure on yourself. Yeah, I think that's definitely something that I'm trying to work on for myself just because I know that I am that person that will place a lot of pressure on grades and numbers and things like that and recognizing that about myself and trying to step back a little bit and say okay you know it's not the end of the world if I don't get what I expected on this certain thing and let me appreciate other things that I have happening like my friends and playing squash and other things that I have going on for me for sure yeah yeah yeah, because it's not like it's going to make you a bad doctor or right. a bad person, you know. Right. Sandy, do you have anything? Yeah, no, I have some, like, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's pro- there probably isn't, like, one single thing. Um, mm-hmm. What I would say is that, um, you know, similar to what I said before about, about finding that reason, um, yeah, is so important. And, and for me, um, you know, I, I wasn't sure if that reason was the right reason. Um, right. But it really has ended up being the thing that I go back to mm-hmm. when other parts of the job are hard. Yeah. Um, so because it's going to be hard. Like there's no easy path in medicine, right. um, that it is a difficult path, and it's a long path, and, and you know, I think, you know, sometimes Elisa and I talk about, I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, speaking with, with your dad, I think he feels this way sometimes, a little bit of a marathon. Um, yeah. You have to have stamina, um, and there's, there's just like any other job, there's BS parts of of medicine too, um, mm-hmm. but the thing that you always have, you know, similar to those like three things your your dad talked about, um, is that you have that that sense that if you go back to those like fundamental principles, they'll always be there in medicine. Right, people Holding will always need, people will always need you. There's always a chance to do what's right, and you'll always be learning, just like what your dad said. I think yeah. those are like really amazing fundamental principles that um, that you'll be able to go back to year after year after year, um, you know, and, and withstand um, the physical exhaustion and the emotional challenges that come up come come and that invariably come with a career in medicine right um and um so so those i think were really um that's that's probably important to say the other thing is is to really open your eyes all as much as you can all the time there was um there was a a clinical researcher at Dartmouth when I was up there, and I went to a talk of his. Um, and supposedly he was this young, youngish at the time, hotshot clinical researcher um, who was doing this work where, um, and he was giving a talk about this weird thing where he, he went and he studied tonsillectomies um, in New England, 
you know, in like right. Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine area, mm-hmm. found out that if you were a kid, um, the rates of tonsillectomy were like massively variable based on where you live. Mm-hmm. So in one, you know, if you were a kid growing up in one county, there was like a 50% chance you got a tonsillectomy. If you grew up in another county, there was like a 5% chance. And it was, it was so, I thought it was so boring mm-hmm. at the time. And I remember my reaction. Like, Why is this, you know, like, like, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Um, but it ended up that like later on in my career, those principles, ended up being so important um, in terms of some of the work I do. Mm-hmm. Say, like, there shouldn't be any difference in whether kids get a tonsillectomy based on where you live. Yeah. The variation in medical care should be based on the patient, not on the doctor. Right. And that is, like, such a like a fundamental in, in just in turn in some of the work that I do it's like this incredibly fundamental principle that hadn't really been recognized before and so I look back at that stupid college senior thinking this lecture was boring when I was like in 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 the presence of this incredible researcher who made this fundamental observation that influenced generations of researchers for years yeah. to come. Um, and, and, you know, I just didn't have, I wasn't smart enough or insightful enough to realize it at the time. Um, and so just to realize that something that might seem kind of boring or really, like, specific or detailed may end up being really important. Um, yeah. And just to try to learn as much as you can and open your eyes and try to make connections and understand the the world that you're living in, have that humility. Um, Right. Because you might miss an opportunity that you didn't didn't realize. Right. Going in without blinders on. Right. Yeah. That's, I'd never, I'd never really thought about that before but I really like that sentiment is you know don't go in with one idea and just stick to that you know let things happen to you and be open to them I really really yeah. like that definitely well uh Dr. Right. Like, 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 like how might how might this thing that I'm learning be important right am I missing something absolutely this is this has been a amazing conversation for me. Thank you guys so much for agreeing to talk. Um, Dr. Lisa Burnham, Dr. Sandy Burnham, thank you guys so much. Okay. Maggie, it was nice talking to you. Good luck with everything. Awesome talking to you guys. Thank you guys so much again. Have a great night. You too. Bye. Bye.